theme of this series is the title, The Genius of Jesus. And the idea behind the genius of Jesus is that Jesus himself, we have to think this was a genius move on his part, is that as well as all of the teaching that we can read about that he, he shared in his life and as well as the wonderful things he did, he spent a long time, in fact, we discovered in the first week about a third of everything he said, um, as recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a third of what he said, he said in the form of, of what's called parables. They're, they're kind of like stories that Jesus told, this, this word parables. And we, we've looked at this idea that the genius of Jesus is, is the depth and the, um, the significance of these parables. Because maybe you're here this morning, and you've been going to church all your life, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you went to church when you were a kid, and you remember hearing some of those stories taught in a Sunday school classroom. But these stories that Jesus told, these parables, on the, on the surface they were a story, but actually beneath the surface there was a very deep and hidden truth of a spiritual nature. Jesus would use these stories to illustrate great spiritual truths. And what we've learned over the last few weeks is that these parables, they almost kind of had layers to them. So the first layer was the parable itself was kind of like a picture. It was like looking at a picture when you heard this story and you, it would catch your attention. You'd maybe look in and think, wow, that's a, that's a great picture. And you'd spend a bit of time looking at it. But before you knew it, as you were studying that picture, you started to realize that this story that Jesus told, this parable, had a little bit more meaning than just a simple picture. And for some, as we've started to stare into these, these parables, we've realized that they're, they're more than a picture. They're actually like a mirror. And we see reflected back in this story that Jesus told something of ourselves. We realize that whether it's the person in the story or whether it's a, a theme of the parable that Jesus is telling, that actually there's something of us in that story. It's like a mirror. And then, and this is the genius of Jesus, it's even greater. It's, it's almost like a window. It's like a window that instead of just seeing ourselves reflected as we stare into this story, we start to see uh, the nature of God himself. These parables, they kind of show us a little bit of an insight into who God actually is. And that was the purpose of Jesus telling these stories, to give some insight into the very nature of God. So this morning, I'm excited about uh, the parable we're going to look at. Actually, this morning, we're going to look at a few parables with a common theme. But before I get to that, I want to take a little history lesson here. We're going to go right back to the early 80s. 1981 was the year. Uh, was a great year. Uh, I'm sure lots of good things happened that year. But one of the great things that happened that year was Dave Jane, for the very first time in his life, got to take a trip to America. His mum and dad brought him here on a vacation. Uh, we went to California, to Disneyland, and I was just sold. At 11 years old, um, now some of you already, hang on, 1981, he was 11, so just to save you the math, I'm 28, okay, so you can stop trying to do the calculations now. Um, at 11 years old, I arrive in California, my very first experience of America, and I just fall in love with the place. We had jet lag, I remember we were staying in like a Howard Johnson or something, and um, 11 years old, my sister was nine, we like wake up at probably like four in the morning. And my parents, as a parent now, I totally get this, were probably like, just try and go to sleep. But I'm 11. I'm awake. I'm like, you know, why, why would I try and go to sleep? They're just like, turn the TV on. So I turn the TV on, and I'm introduced for the very first time in my life to cable TV. In, in England, we had three stations, BBC One, BBC Two, ITV. That was it. And they went off at night. At 11 o'clock, they finished, and they started up the next morning at 7. And I'm sitting here going, this TV just keeps going and going. This channel, there's a whole channel just for kids. 
country's amazing. <laughs> and then we head down to breakfast and uh, there's this massive buffet with bacon, eggs, sausage, toast. And we get all that in England, you know, this is great. But I'm like, whoa, 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 pancakes? What are they doing amongst the breakfast uh, cereals? And I'm like, you could put those on the plate with the bacon and put syrup. This country is amazing. <laughs> And then I go to uh, Disneyland the very first day, and it's just the best place in the world, and dreams come true, and we're walking around, and I'm just loving the rides, and I'm loving everything about it, and I just didn't think anything could get better during the day, until my dad gave me a couple of bucks and sent me over to, to get myself a Pepsi. Hot day, and I went over to the, the concessions thing, and it was one of those carts, and, and I go up, and there's a, a young girl there. She's probably a college-age girl, beautiful Californian girl, and this 11-year-old Dave Jane says, hello. Could I have a Pepsi, please? And she just looks at me. She goes, where are you from? I said, I'm from England. And she said, just talk to me. And I'm like, okay. I love this country. Girls in England didn't want to talk to me. And now this gorgeous girl just wants to hear me speak. And I'm thinking, I love America. Now, we were quite fortunate in the early 80s. Not a lot of people were coming to America from England, but that started to change as the 80s continued. Florida became a great destination for English people to travel. And uh, more and more English people were going to America discovering these wonderful things and coming back to England thinking, we need this. We need some of this over here. So what started to happen, I noticed this as I grew up during uh, my, my teenage years in England, we started to get more and more TV stations that ran for longer and longer because people were used to going to America and thinking, hey, we need TV like that. I started to see these American diners popping up where they were like American-themed restaurants that sold cheeseburgers and shakes, and everyone's like, yeah, this is great. It's like being in America. <laughs> and then we started building these massive theme parks because lots of people in England have been to Disney World, and, and they wanted to experience that. And, and what was interesting is we were doing all this because people were traveling more and more to America, and we wanted more of these things that we just thought were amazing. But the crazy thing is we didn't realize what we had. Because I started to realize that people from America, when they came to England, they didn't want to go to the American diners. They didn't even really want to go to these big American theme parks. Because we had something in England that Americans didn't have, and they loved. When they would come to England, they just thought this was amazing. And that is our history. As a country, we've got this amazing history, and we've got all these old buildings that we just kind of took for granted growing up. We thought, oh, that's lame. We need theme parks. But people from America, they were coming over, they were thinking, this is incredible. And since moving to America, I'd spent time in Disneyland and Disney World, so I'm like, yes, I want to move to America. And I arrived in Washington, Illinois, and it's exactly what I'd experienced up till then. But I've had the opportunity to take teams of students back to England, and we've been on missions trips, and, and I've been able to go back to England and look at my home country through the eyes of Americans. I've taken them to London, the city I grew up just outside of, and spent hours and days and spent so much time in London as a kid growing up, just visiting, shopping, just doing stuff, and never realized what was there until I went with some friends who were Americans. This is a picture just outside of um, Tower Hill um, tube station. It's, a, uh, it's a, just a kind of an ordinary-looking wall. It's right by the Tower of London. But that's actually the original city wall from when the Romans came and discovered London, started to build London. That wall was built in 300 AD. 
So I'm standing here with my American friends. We're looking at this wall, and they're like, that wall's like 1,700 years old. My country's only a couple of hundred years old. This is incredible. This is a picture of my school that I went to, okay? I went to a school uh, just outside of a town called Croydon. It was called Whitgift, okay? My school, my high school, was founded in 1596. That's the school I went to. This wasn't the original building. This was built later on in the 1930s. But I went to a school that was 500 years old. And we just kind of took this for granted in England growing up. But actually, people from around the world come to see all of this because in England, we have this unique situation where we have castles and old buildings. Because as a country, we've got queens and kings and princes and princesses. In fact, we're known as the United Kingdom. And we have all this this, um, pageantry and all these things that kind of attract people to our country. So why, why am I talking about all of this? Well, because this morning, we're actually going to look at a couple of parables where Jesus talks about a kingdom. He actually talks about what he calls the kingdom of heaven. In fact, there are several parables. We're going to look at four this morning, but there are several, if you look through, that start out with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and then Jesus will start to tell a story. And the purpose of the story is to describe this kingdom that he's talking about. This kingdom of heaven. And I realized this morning that um, maybe your understanding of kingdoms came to an abrupt end a few hundred years ago with a king by the name of George, uh, whose tea you dumped in the harbor. Shocking. (laughs) And then since then, you just iced it instead of pouring it hot with milk and sugar, and it's just ruined it. But but so as a a nation now, maybe you don't have that concept of, of kings and kingdoms. But the reality is this this kingdom that Jesus was talking about, we're actually all very familiar with. Because whether you realize it or not, even though we currently live in a country that isn't a kingdom, that doesn't have a king or a queen, um, we are all very familiar with this term. You see, let me explain how how we kind of understand the idea of a kingdom, and then I'll tell you the, the idea of how Jesus explains the kingdom of heaven in comparison. You see, whether or not you realize it, um, kingdoms play a part in all of our lives. A kingdom is a a sovereign state. It's an area that is ruled or reigned over by a king. And you may not have realized this, but many of you represent different kingdoms here this morning. You see, when you were very, very young, when you were a baby, your kingdom started to become established. When you first started to talk, you may have said mama, dad, or things like that. But one of the very first words you learned after mom and dad was what? No. (laughs) You need to eat this. I need that toy. No. No. I'm the king of this kingdom. (laughs) Didn't need teaching. I mean, that's something that kind of came to you very quickly. In fact, it wasn't long after the word no came the word mine. (laughs) Mine. 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 My kingdom. This is my kingdom. That was at a very early age. Maybe as you grew older, if you had a sibling, um, now that you've established that you are the king of your kingdom, it's important that you understand where the the lines of this kingdom are. Those lines are very clearly established when riding in a vehicle. If the two of you were sat in the back seat of the car, it was very clear that there was a line. In fact, some of you actually drew that line. You're like, hey, this is my side. Keep your hands and feet off my... Dad, Dad, she's putting her foot in my kingdom. She's putting her foot on my side. And, and Dad's driving, and he's saying things like, I have to, do you want me to come back there? And you're like, Dad, you're doing 60. There's no way you're coming back here. 
But dad tries anyway. He's got one hand on the wheel. He's kind of swinging, you know, backwards and forwards. But, but you're smart. You're kind of retreating into your kingdom. You're outside of the swipe zone. So you know you're, you're pretty safe. Just a little tip for you parents out here. I found that just a quick tap on the brake pulls everyone forward and right into the swipe zone. So you can uh, try that if you want. But, but there's some clear... <laughs> Some clear marking out of kingdoms, aren't they? Starts at an early age, but it's like, no, this is my kingdom. And that continues on. As you get older, now now there's some very territorialism over my kingdom. You are not going to touch things that belong in my kingdom. Get get out. That's mine. That belongs to me. I was sat at home this week, and... uh, it was the morning, we were, kids were upstairs getting ready for school, and uh, I can hear a commotion upstairs, there's something going on, there's some shouting and some arguing, and I'm not sure what's happening, but as I start to listen in, I realize that two of my children upstairs, whose names I will withhold for their protection, uh, are arguing over something, and as I listen to the raised voices, what I start to understand is that one is using a toothbrush that apparently belongs to the other. <laughs> Yeah, the words were like, what are you doing? That's my toothbrush. No, it's my toothbrush. It's my toothbrush. Mine's the blue toothbrush. No, mine's the blue toothbrush. How long have you been using the blue toothbrush? About three weeks. I've been using it for three. And this is the, the argument, the, the realization that suddenly, despite the fact that there's many toothbrushes available, two happened to think that one was using the other's toothbrush. Again, I won't say who it was, but I was downstairs chuckling a bit when I heard it. Me and Will were both down there, and we kind of, <laughs> we were both chuckling a little bit as to what's going on upstairs. And as much as we can kind of laugh about these stories about how we were when we were kids or how our kids are, the reality is I'm sharing those stories to kind of protect you a little bit this morning, because let's be honest, it didn't really change when we grew up, did it? As adults this morning, we, we several of us probably have some kingdom issues, some, some boundaries that we've put in place, some, some things we've done to establish, this is my kingdom. <laughs> there are rules. For, if you want to be in my kingdom, there are certain laws you have to abide by. If you even think of attacking my kingdom, I will build a wall there. And we create these laws and these boundaries and these rules that um, belong to what it means to inhabit our kingdom. And then Jesus comes along. Jesus comes along and introduces us to a brand new kingdom. A kingdom that kind of flies in the face in many senses with our kingdom. Love your neighbor, forgive one another. Many of the parables Jesus taught kind of clashed against the idea of what my kingdom should look like. And he introduced to us this this concept of the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, in the parables, he starts to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we're going to look at that in just a second. But before we do, I want to just establish something here really quickly. Because sometimes we can get the wrong idea of the kingdom of heaven. Because we look at the kingdom of heaven in context of the kingdom of earth. Because Jesus talks about that as well. The fact that there's a kingdom of earth and a kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of earth we're all a part of right now. And there's a lot of beauty and wonder to being a part of the kingdom of earth. Um, maybe some of you are off on vacation this year and you go to the ocean or the mountains or wherever it may be you're going. And you're going to see some of the beauty of the kingdom of earth. But the reality is if we just open a newspaper or watch a TV or read online, the kingdom of earth is kind of a broken place. It's not the way God originally designed it to be. There's pain and there's suffering and there's wars and there's abuse and there's crime and there's there's just problems in the kingdom of earth. 
And some of us sit in the kingdom of earth thinking, oh, Jesus, I just want to be, I just want to get to the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus talks about, is a place of peace and comfort. There'll be no more tears, no more sadness. And we think of the kingdom of earth being somewhere where we're stuck right now. And I, I just hope that one day I will get to the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus, I think, challenges us a little bit in our thinking. He says, many of you kind of have got it backwards. We think of us being stuck right here. We want to find a way to get there. And, and all I want to do is find a simple answer to a simple question. You know, So when I go to church, it's to learn what I need to know so that one day when I get to that, um, that bridge across, that I'll know how to get to the kingdom of heaven. But as we're going to learn here by looking at these parables, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The kingdom of heaven isn't a destination. It's not us here on the kingdom of earth hoping to one day get to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, no, the reason I'm telling you about the kingdom of heaven is because I have come to bring the kingdom of heaven to you now. This isn't a place that you will one day escape to. This is something that I am bringing to you now. This is why I am here on earth now. So with that in mind... Knowing that this isn't a destination somewhere we're going to know. Let's listen to how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. Knowing that this morning he's saying to us, just as he was to the disciples back then, this is something that I'm bringing to you right now. This is the kingdom of heaven. It exists for you right now. You see, in these four stories, Jesus gave us three very clear ideas of what the kingdom of heaven is like. He kind of described the kingdom of heaven. The first was the, the value of the kingdom of heaven. The value of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the value it can have within our own lives. Listen to the way he described it in these two parables. In Matthew chapter 13, he says in verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owns to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the, hidden, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. I love that Jesus uses these two different stories to kind of illustrate the same point, that the kingdom of heaven is a very valuable thing. It's worth giving up a lot for. It's worth um, selling everything for to, to be a part of. But two different ways of getting there. One is about a man who discovered something by accident. He was in a field and he stumbles across something of great value. The other is a man who, who on purpose, he was looking for it. He was a pearl hunter and he found something of great value. And if you think about it, I bet if I was to go around the room this morning and ask for some of your stories, kind of find out, especially if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, I think some of you might say, you know what, Dave, I can remember. I can remember when I made that decision to follow Jesus. I wasn't even looking for him. I was at this place in my life and things seemed to be okay or maybe things were a mess, whatever it was, but, but just suddenly through a relationship or through an event that someone invited me to or to a church someone invited me to, I, I wasn't even looking for him, but suddenly I found Jesus. I discovered who he was, how much he loved me. And I realized I want a relationship with Jesus. I want what my friends got. I want what I see in the people here in this church. And it came at a great cost. It was, it was me saying, I'm willing to give up 
everything of my own. I want him to say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. I don't want to be in control of my life anymore. I want you to be in control of my life. And like the guy who stumbled across the treasure in the field, you made that choice to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to have that relationship. Or maybe you were at a point, maybe you could tell the story this morning and say, no, actually, Dave, for me, I knew I was looking for something. I was at a point where I was searching for something. I even actually was hoping and praying that this church I belong to or this friend of mine who, who had faith in Jesus, that they would help me because I was specifically looking for it. But when I discovered it, it was worth giving everything for. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is saying, let me tell you it from the context of somebody who has discovered it. You're going to want to do everything in your power to find it. Because the kingdom of heaven, it carries with it such value and can have such an impact in your life. In fact, that's the second thing that Jesus alludes to in the, the next parable. is isn't just the value uh, associated with a relationship with Jesus, but the impact that it can have. The impact that the kingdom of heaven can have in this world. Because don't forget, this isn't just a place that we're going to go to when we die. This is something that Jesus brought to earth, and he wants this kingdom of heaven to have an impact in this world. So he uses this parable, a third parable. He says, here is another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that's planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests in its branches. God's plan was that the kingdom of heaven would be experienced here and now. And that even though it may have just started in your life like a mustard seed, something very small, before you know it, it's growing and growing. And I've seen that happen, even here at Connect. People have experienced Jesus. They've invited a friend, and that friend's invited another friend. And before you know it, you're talking to someone, and you're saying, how, how did you come to learn about Jesus? Why is it that you chose to get baptized? Well, well, like this friend of mine invited me, and it turns out that their friend invited them. And, and like that little mustard seed, it's just growing and growing. And the impact it's having on the community and on your community and your neighbors and friends is like that. It's like growing to this huge plant. And I love seeing it happen here at Connect. Our, our vision statement, our value here at Connect is that we are to connect our community to Christ. So I think of the kingdom of heaven as being a tiny mustard seed that was planted in every single one of you that's growing and growing. It becomes this large plant that, uh, like Jesus said, the birds uh, make their nests in, that it becomes a place of, of sanctuary that people can come to for comfort and know that this is part of the kingdom of heaven expanding in our community. Again, Jesus is saying, listen, this isn't something you go to. This is something that, that God wants to bring into your life to begin now. Because there's value to it. It's going to have an impact on the community in which you live. And it's going to have significance. The kingdom of heaven has significance, not just in your life, but in the community around you. And he talks about this in the third parable, the significance of the kingdom of heaven. He says, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus was using a picture here that people would be familiar with, the, just a tiny bit of yeast in the bread as it was being made. 
would affect every single part of the bread. In fact, one Bible commentator that I came across this week, he described it this way. He says, though the yeast is very small in relation to the three measures of flour, it will eventually leaven the whole lump by working from within. So the kingdom of heaven may be hidden in the world, but it works quietly from within, permeating the whole of society. I love that picture that Jesus has given here in this parable. It's like yeast. It's very small, like a mustard seed, but it's, it's working from within, and it's affecting the whole of society. Jesus is saying this is the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. This is why he's telling the parable. And this is the genius of Jesus. That not only is he kind of describing the kingdom of heaven as a place of value and a place of um, impact and a place of significance, but he's saying over and above all three elements of that, the kingdom of heaven is also something that is here right now to impact and to be significant in the society in which we live. You see, I think as Jesus was teaching the listeners in this time, the disciples, he may have even been alluding to, uh, reminding them even to a prayer that he taught them to pray. Back in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus introduced us to a very famous way of praying a prayer. As, uh, it's, it's now kind of known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's amazing. Um, even today, there are people who um, just maybe aren't even churchgoers, but know the Lord's Prayer. Maybe they recited it growing up. Maybe it's something they knew uh, a parent or grandparent had them recite. But there's many who don't know the Lord's Prayer. I heard a story of the Chicago Bears once. They were, uh, this was the Bears team of the 1980s. Uh, I guess this was their, during their, their greatest time when Ditka was the coach. And there were guys on the team like Walter Payton, Jim McMahon, William, the Refrigerator Perry. This was the Chicago Bears of the early 80s. And the story goes that one day the chaplain had kind of gathered with the, the bears and he was going to do a little bit of a devotional. And before he did, Ditka stands up and he goes, hey, before he speaks, um, Perry, for Refrigerator Perry, I want you to say the Lord's Prayer. And apparently at that point, McMahon, he turns to the, um, to the chaplain and he goes, I've got 50 bucks. Says that he has no idea. The fridge does not know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> the chaplain, being the godly man, said, yeah, I'll have some of that action. He says, I'll, I'll bet you 50 bucks he knows it. So they place the bear. Perry stands up and he goes, as I lay me down to sleep, Lord, my soul to you. <laughs> and McMahon goes, oh, I really didn't think he knew the Lord's prayer. <laughs> and he gives 50 bucks to the chaplain. <laughs> you know, if you're not familiar, just in case, with the Lord's prayer this morning, let me tell you what it was that Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he said this. He said, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught this prayer to say, your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, your kingdom come. He was instructing us to pray, say, God, we want your kingdom of heaven to come down into earth. We want your kingdom of heaven to be like a mustard seed that's, that may have very humble and tiny beginnings, but man, it just grows and grows. We want your kingdom to be like yeast that just permeates every part of society. We want your kingdom to be something of great value that we would want to give things up for to say, I want this to be a part of my life. I want to share this with others. 
And I think that's the genius of Jesus in these parables. This theme that runs through all of these parables is that the kingdom of heaven is like, but ultimately Jesus is saying, but the kingdom of heaven is something special that you have inside of you, that you can have a part of the kingdom of heaven. And that it's your responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth. It's your responsibility to lay down the walls of your kingdoms so that when people see you, they don't see your kingdom. They see the kingdom of heaven. As a church, we've made it our responsibility to represent the kingdom of heaven in the kingdom of earth. We had a book drive recently where we asked people to, to um, donate books because a teacher at District 50 down in Sinalanda come to us and said, hey, at this grade school that I'm teaching at, we're battling a lot of issues with literacy and especially through K through second where it's such a key age to start learning to read. What we're finding is that kids are going home for the break over summer and for three months they're at home and they're just not reading. And one of the reasons they're not reading is that they don't have access to books. Maybe they come from a more under-resourced family where they don't have access to a lot of different things. And a parent, you know, given the choice between things like food and uh, utilities and books, books, you know, often can't be afforded. So this teacher says, I want to have a book fair where I want to bring families in. I'm going to talk to the parents and we're going to talk about the importance of reading. And then after that, the kids are going to be released and they're going to get to go. And it'll just be like one of the book fairs that maybe you've been to as a parent, except the only difference is that these books will be free because they've been donated by some, uh, some people that call Connect Church their church home. People who, who want to see the kingdom of heaven impact the kingdom of earth. Our goal was to collect 300 books. I think we're at about 600 books now <laughs> that have been donated by you. This teacher was blown away last week when she showed up to pick up these books. And I know that this will have an effect year after year. I know that she's going to be able to do this continually now because of these, all these books she's been given. But it was just a great opportunity to say, you know, we don't want to just keep looking ahead to what's coming in the future. We want the kingdom of heaven to impact the kingdom of earth right now. That was something that we could do corporately as a church, but the challenge I want to send you away with this morning is what are you doing with the kingdom of heaven? Have you discovered the kingdom of heaven? Maybe you're here and you're still trying to think about this. You're still trying to think, well, I'm not sure about this. Maybe you're, you need to be the one who says, God, I, I want to experience the kingdom of heaven in my life. Pray that prayer. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But maybe you've already accepted Jesus into your life. So now what am I doing to represent the kingdom of heaven in my community? How am I taking the kingdom of heaven to impact people in my community, to impact my neighbors, my friends, the kids I come in contact with? Where am I taking the kingdom of heaven this week? Because when Jesus taught these stories, he was explaining that the kingdom of heaven isn't something we just head to in the future. In fact, there's a great quote here from a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. He says, eternity is in session right now. Eternity is in session right now. We've begun the journey to the kingdom of heaven. But it's not something we start when we die. It started right now. And we get to take the kingdom of heaven with us wherever we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is kind of a tough thing to wrap our heads around, just the, the magnitude of the kingdom of heaven. There's so much to just that small phrase. But the reality is, Lord, 
that I think you were teaching through these parables that this isn't somewhere where we will arrive in the future. It's somewhere that you brought down when you came. Your kingdom come, your will be done was the prayer you taught us to pray. That we are to bring the kingdom of heaven into our lives today. We are to bring the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth. And we are to represent the kingdom of heaven wherever we go. So show us this week even how we can be ambassadors for that kingdom. Help us to lay down the kingdom that we're trying to build, our own personal kingdom. And show us ways, Lord, that we can be ambassadors for your kingdom in our lives this week. I pray all this in Jesus' name.